We're specifically using certain content types at certain times to facilitate that psychological journey so that it's making people feel more and more comfortable with you, getting to know you, getting to trust you over time so that when the time is actually right for them, you are the only person that they can think of. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Join us as we get the stories of the leaders in the real estate industry. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 226 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for telling a friend. And I'm excited to head back north of the border once again. We've had some great guests from the Great White North, and today is no exception. Today, I'm going to be talking to Jess Lunavelle, who's a coach. Uh, used to be a realtor, um, used to be a high-end realtor. So she's got this great breadth of knowledge about the world of real estate. But what she's doing now is helping people. Really, I, I can't wait to talk about this. She's helping people move from from a, a relatively comfortable level, you know, low to mid six hundreds. And how do you get to that next step, which is a quantum leap um, for most people? So it's going to be fun to find out all about Jess and her story. Jess, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you. And I uh, saw so you're Toronto. I, 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 I love it. I always quickly share my one trip to Toronto was to see the Sky Dome. And I stayed in the Sky Dome Hotel. So there you go. Yep. Okay. Everybody. Okay. Uh, but there was a beautiful downtown that walked straight out of the hotel, right? It was mm-hmm. just gorgeous. One of the cleanest big cities I've ever been in. I mean, Toronto is an amazing place. So I'm going to let you sing its praises for a little while. Yeah. So so Toronto's Toronto's one of those cities that has just boomed and like just boomed like crazy in the last 10 years or so. Um, every, I find that like, I, I kind of joke around that I'll go on vacation and I come back to a different city just because it is like, there's so much development happening here. There's so many things coming in. We've had Google come in. We've had, you know, some big companies that have, that have decided that they want to have some, it, like whether it's a headquarters or it's, you know, some sort of like a big hub in Toronto. So the, the city of Toronto has grown dramatically, but it's also, it still has that Canadian feel. It's kind of like, the, it's kind of like the soft New York, right? <laughs> I like that. So tell me what you mean by Canadian feel. So there's this kind of stereotype that us Canadians really like, that we're just like all really nice. And that, you know, it's, you know, the stereotype that like all Canadians ever say is I'm sorry. Correct. Right. (laughs) Right. And so it still has some of that, but at the same time, it still has that big city kind of New York feel where it's like hustle and bustle. And there's like a lot of, there's a lot of wealth and a lot of like luxury, but it's kind of got this good, this great balance of culture and music and things like that right so I like the way that Torontonians kind of all have the best of both the best of both worlds it really is kind of a good mix um yeah but it's such a it's such a sprawling city too right right like we don't have like the you think about another Canadian city like Vancouver where they've got the mountains on one side and the ocean on the other we don't have that so back in the day Toronto grew very very big but now everybody now wants to be back downtown, which is why the condo market has been so crazy in the city. And, you know, it's just, I don't know. I'm, I love, I love Toronto. Um, if we didn't have snow, uh, it would be the best place on earth, but let's be honest. <laughs> the winters aren't great. 
Winters can be tough, right? Yeah. Did you did you grow up in Toronto or in Ontario okay. somewhere? Okay, so. I did. Yeah, I um I grew up in Toronto. So my I'll give you like just a quick little rundown. So my mom's from Toronto. My dad is from Hong Kong. Okay. So I'm actually half Chinese, and so my dad came to Toronto when he was 16, and came to go to McMaster. So he went to McMaster, then he went to U of T Medical School, and met my mom. And so my mom's been from here. So we've always been here. We've tra- I've traveled extensively. I had a great parents for that. They took us everywhere. But um, I went to I went to school in Midtown Toronto. I went to U of T. <laughs> so like I've I, I've been I've traveled a lot, but I've never really lived anywhere else. Okay, I, yeah. I, that makes sense. Yeah, and it's why it's a beautiful place. Let's. Um, so you mentioned the travel. Your yeah. your mom. Do I have this right? Was your mom a realtor? When you were growing up? Years. Yeah, she still is. Oh okay, so she's still selling in Toronto yeah. and doing all those things. So I'm just going to guess, was a 15-year-old Jess thinking about a career in real estate? Oh, God, no. I didn't think so. <laughs> <laughs> what, what did you want to do at 15, Jess? So, so I had a mentor growing up that was, you know, he'd worked for the UN. He'd, he'd, he'd done a lot of work with, like, underprivileged children overseas. And so, you know, I went, I went to a, a private girls' school. So I was not... As much as I loved every second of it, I wasn't really in touch with life and, you know, making money. And I was surrounded by wealth. And I was also surrounded by people who I just wasn't, I wasn't in touch with what it really took. So I thought I was going to go to university. So my degree is in African and Caribbean studies. You can't do a whole lot with that if you're staying here. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Right, but I can so, see what you're doing. You, you didn't. It wasn't going to be business school to head off in this place. You wanted mm-hmm. to broaden your horizons, mm-hmm. uh, which I which I love, and I'm actually really glad that I did. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. I thought I wanted to work for the UN too. I wanted to at the time, you know, back then I thought I was going to move to the Sudan and I was going to save the world. Gotcha. And then when I finished school, my mom basically said. Okay, now what? Yeah. Right? Yeah, that, that's and, a fun conversation. Yeah. <laughs> now what? And my you know, my dad, my dad's a physician. So he's like, are, so so law school, right? Or are you gonna go to medical school? Or like that that's the next logical step. And I said, no. So my mom just sort of said, Okay, until you figure it out, get your real estate license. Okay. So you're right out of school. Yeah. I was 21. Do you go immediately and work with your mom? Do you head off to a different place, maybe to kind of do your own thing? What's the first brokerage you end up with that you have to get your license? Yeah. So the first brokerage I joined was Keller Williams. Okay. And it was mostly because, well, was it was because of training. I was like, I need training. I'm 21. I look like I'm 16, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I don't know how to do this. And my mom's business by then was all referral, right? Because she, even at that point, she'd been in the business a long time she didn't really want to carry me. She, she wasn't like, Oh, I'm now going to give my daughter half of my income just because she decided to be a realtor. Good, good job on mom. Can yeah. continue? <laughs> um, so, you know, she did come to Keller Williams cause she wanted to kind of keep an eye on me, but she, so, so I started at Keller Williams and, you know, I was a little rebellious I didn't, you know, I was, I I went through the trainings and there was a lot of prospecting and a lot of, you know, cold calling and door knocking and things like that. And even at 21, I was like, "Mm, if this is how I have to build my business, this isn't for me. That that's an interesting take because now you're here 
Does it, does it force you to look at other opportunities in the workplace or do you decide to kind of venture out in a different way in the world of real estate? And so that's what I did is I just sort of figured out, I got creative. Okay. Right. And so even back then there was this brand new thing called Facebook (laughs) (laughs) and Facebook at the time, like it, it, it didn't look anything like it looks now. It was, you know, it was just a very basic social platform with a classified section. Yeah. So what I did is I actually started going into the classified section and prospecting in the classified section. Nice. And that's how I built my business. Wow. That's great. So early yeah. on in the digital world. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So, but you also, in p- part of your career, you end up working for a builder, right? Yeah. You talked about a lot of cranes in Toronto, right? Mm-hmm. So these high rise complexes are going up everywhere. So talk about that um, go- going from residential to that builder world. So I wanted to learn everything that I could possibly learn about the business. And there was this whole other aspect of the real estate market that I didn't know and I didn't understand. And so I went and worked in-house at a builder. And the one great thing was, is that I was allowed to come to everything. It wasn't like a typical sales position where I sat in a sales office and I was, I wasn't included. I went to the lunches. I went to the planning meetings. I went to the like the architect meetings. I helped choose the finishes. I was I really kind of in, engulfed in that side of the business. So I only did that for a year, but I learned so much in a year. Yeah. And I kind of carried that with me. And really, there's a lot of not to be disparaging, but there's a lot of agents that that sell things or do things that are not their specialty that they don't have a lot of experience in. And so I never wanted to be that. I never wanted to be in that situation where I was thinking, you know what, I'm not super comfortable here, but I'm going to pretend that I am. Yeah. (laughs) Right. The whole kind of fake it till you make it idea. That's tough with someone's biggest asset. (laughs) Yeah. So, so really from like a comfort level and also from like an expertise and a niche perspective, mm-hmm. right? Like here was this booming Toronto pre-construction market. I wanted to be part of it and I wanted to do it properly. Okay. So you, you're in that um, phase of the business until 2017 and something happens in 2017 for yeah. you. Is that a fair way of putting it? I think that I am the youngest midlife crisis in the world. <laughs> Let's, let's, let's elaborate on that. <laughs> so I was in, uh, I was in Hawaii with my husband. I had the perfect business and the dream business. I took two, two and a half months off a year. Every two months I went on vacation somewhere. I, you know, I only worked eight hours a day. We were doing hundreds and hundreds of deals, everything that like everybody wishes that they had. And I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, we're in, I'm in Hawaii with my husband. We're driving. I'm so happy. I feel so at home there. And I start to cry. I'm not really a crier. And he looks at me and he think, he says, mm, what's going on with you? And I was like, I don't want to sell real estate anymore. And he was like, oh, wow. Because that's our whole life. Our entire lives are built around my real estate business. You know, not only it's not only assets that we have, but assets that are not yet built that we have that we need to pay for, (laughs) like just everything. And I just said, this is not what I'm here to do. This is not I didn't choose this. This isn't this isn't for me forever. It was by far the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. 
my even my parent like my, my it was funny my very conservative doctor father was fine he was just like oh yeah of course i didn't think you'd do this forever but my mom who is my mom's a firecracker it was her who said oh my gosh really what are you going to do and her panic started happening yeah. <laughs> somebody, right? somebody had to panic <laughs> yeah so she panicked okay and it was just for me honestly it was it had the transition happened very quickly the the joy that i felt only ever used to come from when someone would knock on my door and say jess can you help me hmm. like an agent com- coming to me and saying look i don't know how you guys do it but can you can you give me a hand or like answering questions things like that and so you know, I wasn't even really all that. I mean, I've had coaches all like, of course, we've all had coaches. We've all had people who've kind of helped us along the way and mentors and things like that. But I wasn't even really aware of like the fact that the internet had this whole other side of it, where there were so many people that were actually helping people on these huge scales. So I just sort of started dabbling in taking on clients and helping clients scale and from a smaller perspective. And then it just sort of snowballed and it, it, it grew. And here we are. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's talk about it. You, um, you launched the listing lab system. Yeah. And let's, uh, let's start there. Let's talk about how, how the, how did that kind of kind of coalesce come together for you and how did mm. that become kind of, kind of come to the kind of the core of what you, what you like to share? Yeah. So, so the listings lab methodology is very much geared around attraction marketing. Whenever anybody says, Jess, what do you do? My kind of quick one liner is I help realtors scale from six to seven figures by creating relationships at scale. So that's what we do, right? So instead, instead of taking the, the relationships out of the business, which a lot, which is what a lot of digital marketing does tends to treat people like leads and it becomes a numbers game, we're doing the opposite, where we're treating leads like people. And it's it's not just kind of a throw spaghetti at the wall approach. It's very much let's target a specific type of person who you want to work with and that who is going to resonate with who you are and what you're doing in the world. Have a, have, being able to have that bigger relationship and that bigger impact on that person's life and then being able to find those people from a digital capacity and build relationships using psychology to, you know, effective psychology, but not manipulative psychology to take that person from stranger to client. So we're building that no like and trust factor. And really, at the end of the day, that's what people need in order to come to you. And a lot of it, like a lot of real estate issues that people have with lead generation online is the nurturing, right? The, the, the fact that like 80 to 90% of people, when you, they come into your world, they're not ready to do something today. Mm-hmm. But then you have to manually convert that person over time. And the manual conversion ends up you kind of bothering them for six months because they've already told you, they're not, I'm not ready for six months. Why do you keep calling me? But we we're all kind of trained to keep ourselves top of mind in a specific way. So this is kind of like a, the flip side of it. It's still top of mind. Yeah, definitely. But you've got a different um, a way of doing it. I mm-hmm. I want to so Anthony Malafronte, uh, somebody that saw you speak in Tampa. I want to yes. mention quickly. I play golf with Anthony every Sunday, and 
you made you made a fundamental change in Anthony in that that session he attended with you. He's now. Uh, let's talk about. You don't mind talking about that? The psychology of what you're doing yeah. there with Anthony. That'd be great. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So when we're talking about using psychology for marketing, there's certain things that people need, and there's a kind of a there's there's a comfort level as we go along. Right. So not to be crude, but when you walk up to a stranger on the street, you're not going to say not pat them on the shoulder and just say, hey, can you give me a kiss? You work <laughs> up to that. Right. <laughs> right. So, so, so what I what I mean by that is like, you know, when someone first comes into your awareness, the first thing that you want to know is, are they actually an authority? Is this someone that I should even listen to? And so from there, you know. We're talking about building authority or positioning someone as an authority first so that you're you're not just, you know, some kind of talking head somewhere. Mm -hmm. And then from there, then we want to build in that relationship of, you know, personal beliefs, personal philosophy, personal story, because those are going to be your human connectors. And and those are just as important. Humans, all of us, we make decisions using logical and emotional drivers. But. A lot of the time, especially when it comes to making a bigger decision, in real estate, for instance, the draw towards an agent or the draw towards a property is always going to be emotional first. Right. Right. So what we're doing is we're using that human connection and we're building that human connection off of something that is real and authentic. And that's that's Anthony's face. It's Anthony's face, but Anthony, who he is inside. Oh, that too. That's right. Yeah, no, I, right? it's been great. He's really embraced what you what you what you were talking about, and things are now. It's it's Anthony's in the shot, and it's you're getting a, a this be, much better look at him instead of maybe just what he's looking at. Is that fair? Yeah, and I think that the mistake that a lot of people make when it comes to marketing for real estate is they tend to like hide behind their logos. Mm-hmm. And if you even think about like the change that's happened in any marketing in the last five years, it's no longer just people. People don't buy brands. People buy trust and they buy that human connection. Right. So even just as an example, like Tesla, for instance, when you walk into a store and you buy a Tesla, you're not thinking that you're actually going to talk to Elon Musk. But we all know who he is. So that celebrity of behind the curtain of the brand is no is is now a thing. It's the same reason why there's so many um, so many sponsorships and so many like Nike uses you know these big athletes and things like that. Those kinds of it's transfer of trust, right? So the tr- people don't no longer trust something that they can't actually see a person or a human behind. And so, especially in real estate, that is such a personal. Uh, such a personal decision. That's what we're trying to build. We're trying to build that relationship and build that connection and build that authority so that you're hitting all the different types of people and how they make decisions. And so you're giving everyone everything that they need. Right. Your, your decision to, to start at, uh, to people that were already kind of in the six figure level. I find that well, first of all, really smart. And because these are people who already have had success and who will be able to implement. Because mm-hmm. that seems to be a big problem with people that are relatively new to the business. Yeah, so that, that was some of the re- rationale behind it. So there was a couple of reasons why we, it's not that this methodology doesn't work for everybody. Okay. Like our focus is that six figure to seven figure realtor because part, part of it was a personal decision. 
Mm-hmm. Like who do I actually want to work with? Right. And what, and, and what level of human do I want to be working with? Um, but on top of it too, I'm a really big believer that what I'm doing is I'm giving people a microphone. I'm giving them a bigger platform to get not only their, their business to grow, but this is also about growing a platform that they can use for other things. Right. Which is the other reason why we're pretty picky about who we bring in. Right. That makes right? sense. We're careful about the type of human that we also give these tools to. Right. But because we're giving someone that bigger platform, I want to make sure that they're actually legitimately good at what they do. Yeah. And that they are client focused and they've had some success and they and they legitimately are an authority. I don't want to be positioning someone as an authority who's not. ROI means something much different to you and your clients. <laughs> yes. Can we talk about that? For sure. For sure. Yeah. So for us, ROI stands for relevancy, omnipresence and intimacy. So these are the three pieces that we believe are the three components that you need in order to have from a lead generation scaling standpoint, you have to have these three pieces in place in order to really, really boom, really kind of explode your business forward. A lot of people think that they have these pieces in place and they don't necessarily have them in place the way that we suggest. So from a relevancy standpoint, relevancy is your marketing message. Right. So a lot of the time, agents tend to be try to be everything to everyone. I buy, sell, invest, rent, like rent, land, commercial, whatever the things. Right. I'll take any business that you're willing to throw at me, which is fine. But from a marketing perspective, it's a disaster. Mm-hmm. Because and I and I use this example, actually, at a, at a talk that I gave recently. The man who chases two rabbits catches none. And it's the idea of let's go after one thing and dominate that one thing or that one market or that one niche. And then from there, we can expand from there. Right. So the more specific that your messaging is, the more relevant you're going to be and the more actual attention or eyeballs you're going to get on what it is that you're putting out there. Mm -hmm. I use this example sometimes and this it's, it's not a real estate example, actually. But um, I have a friend who is, he sells life insurance and he was running all these ads all over the place that were, you know, life, like just life insurance. And he was like, my cost per conversion is really high and my ads aren't doing well. And can you look at them? And I looked at them and I thought, what, what is this? You know, like what, like this is the same as everyone else out there. And I said, let, we're going to add one word into this. And we added in the word diabetes, life insurance for diabetics. And he's like, I don't only want to work with diabetics. I said, I don't care. I want your marketing to work. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? His ad started converting like crazy because people who are scrolling through their feed or looking at an ad, when it just says life insurance, it's not talking to anyone, right? It's screaming into the void. But as soon as someone says, someone who is diabetic says, oh, that's me. I'm going to, I'm going to take an action here. This person's speaking to me. It's the same idea, but just on a much deeper scale. Right. So, so it's, it's the idea of having a super relevant marketing message that then gets disseminated through omnipresence. So omnipresence is essentially the strategic distribution of that marketing message through retargeting. So what we're doing is we use nine different types of content to take someone through that psychological journey. 
right? So what we're doing is we're essentially building or growing a real human relationship just online at at scale, just like I said before. Mm-hmm. But um, so what we're doing is we're we're following people around the internet. But we're not following them around with just any old junk. This isn't just the random content that you sometimes see, right? We're specifically using certain content types at certain times to facilitate that psychological journey so that people are or like it, it it's 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 making people feel more and more comfortable with you, getting to know you, getting to trust you over time, so that when the time is actually right for them, you are the only person that they can think of. And you are that you are already like internally and emotionally that choice. And so instead of having to, you know, a lot of the time you sit down in a listing presentation for the first time and these people have no idea who you are, or what you do. All they want to know is, will you give them the highest price that out of every realtor that they've talked to? And will you lower your commission? Right. It becomes a numbers game instead of like a, like a trust relationship thing. You find that when you execute this plan, those conversations don't happen about price and, no. and commission because it's all trust. Yeah. yeah well, and the relationship's already there. Yeah, it's there. And yeah. so the, the I. Yeah. So intimacy. Yeah. So intimacy is something that I think a lot of agents think that they have because they do a lot of one-on-one stuff. But like, that's not what I'm talking about when it comes to intimacy. Okay. Intimacy is actually creating a real human connection. So it's conversation, connection, community. Right. So those are the three kind of C's that we use within the within the the intimacy portion of what we do. So and what I mean by that and the key to all of this is truth and vulnerability and authenticity. Sounds like a little Brene Brown coming my way. Yeah, there you go. Right. So the idea really is, is that like if you are willing to share authentically with your audience, they will connect with you in a different way. There's a lot of and real estate's one of those. I mean, it's an old school sales business. So there's a lot of people in the real estate world that feel like they have to put on this show, right? I'll, I'll yeah. give you an example. So one of my best friends, she used to own this huge martial arts success business where she was she helped martial art um, school owners scale their businesses. And so she has this friend on Facebook who was a martial arts business owner, and he just got a real estate license. And she didn't even know what happened. Just all of a sudden, he went from like fun loving, I don't know what his name is, let's say Bob. He went from like fun loving Bob on on social media to all of a sudden this super buttoned up, very stiff profile picture of him in a suit. And she was like, what happened? So she went on his profile. He became a realtor. (laughs) (laughs) And, and And so that's this kind of like strange image that we as an industry feel like we have to project and it's actually the opposite. Right. Right. So, you know, my husband and I play this game when we're driving around the city, spot the realtor. (laughs) Go ahead. Because you can see them, right. You can say, Oh, that guy's in real estate for sure. Oh, Nelly. That's great. Now now we got to start a new game in St. Pete. Okay. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) And it's kind of like punch buggy, right. But for real estate. (laughs) Okay, good. <laughs> but, but but at the same time, right? Like that's not how people connect. People right. aren't looking for the most stiff, most professional person. They're looking for trust. They're looking for that person who they know is actually going to not only have and part part of all of this that we uh, in terms of like what we're doing is we're actually building out proper systems and processes. Mm-hmm. We're actually building a real business within all of this marketing. 
I'll give you an example. So like every single person who we work with ends up with a signature process or an expert methodology. And the reason for it is that, you know, every expert in every industry has one except real estate agents, right? And so the public's perception of agents is that everybody just makes it up as we go. That we're just kind of flying by the seat of our pants and that we all do exactly the same thing. And so we're kind of interchangeable. Yeah. And it can't, if, if this industry is going to last with all the disruptors and the Zillows and the iBuyers and the, we cannot be that all like, we'll do anything for a deal. Everybody does exactly the same thing. Part-time business. We can't be that industry anymore. So people have to be more professional and have to treat this like a real business. Do you think you're, what you're, bringing to your clients is undisruptible. Do you feel that's the case? I don't think anything is undisruptible. Okay. I think that it's what we're doing is we're building some insurance in. Okay. We're, we're building in consistency and predictability. Um, but we're also doing something. If ever, I believe that if everyone in real estate took this approach, that the industry wouldn't be in danger. Because, you know, really what's happening is there's kind of two schools of people. There's the the old school realtors that just want to work on repeats and referrals and that are still doing things the old way. They're not embracing technology. They're not moving forward. They're not using automation. They're not using, you know, systems and processes, Mm -hmm. which I think is holding them back. And that and they're leaving this hole for these disruptors, these tech companies to come in and take their essentially take that role. But then we also have the other side of the coin, which is the agents who are lead generating online, buying leads from Zillow, doing all of these things that are treating people like leads. And so there's no relationship in there. And so, again, the human is not necessary in that role. And so someone else can come in and can some other software can come in and treat leads like like treat people like leads. So what we need is we actually need a marrying of the two. So we need to have the relationship side of things, the human connection, the trust. That, that is an important part of it, but we also need to keep up with the times and have the systems, have the automation, have the predictability. And I've been, like, I've been saying this for years. I think in the next little while, the number of agents is going to drop. I'm hearing that more and more. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about creating this cyborg realtor, right? Yeah. Part human, best for both worlds. part machine. Yeah, I love it. I love that. When you first start working with a new client, and I, it, I know you vet them very well before you start, but is, are there are there common issues or we'll call them roadblocks? You know that you have to kind of power through. From a mindset perspective, uh, from yeah, well, let's go there. Okay, yeah, for sure. So we have, we like one of the very first things that we work through with anybody who comes in, we call them the seven deadly sins of the listings lab. <laughs> and um, one of the biggest issues is perfection, like perfectionism mm-hmm. and procrastination, which is just perfectionate. Like, so perfectionism is just procrastination in a cuter outfit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? right. So yeah. it, they're really the same thing, but people identify with one or the other. Um, we also have, uh, you know, people who think that their business is the unicorn, mm-hmm. right? My business is different. My clients only want me. Yeah. Well, that's your own making, <laughs> right? Like you can yeah. have, if, if you position yourself as magic in your business, then your business is unscalable. 
You can't right. actually grow because you can't bring anybody else on because no one else is, is magical like you. <laughs> but if you have like a proven system and a proven process, then everyone else on your team can be trained in an expert at implementing your process. Perfect. And that's where you have an unlimitedly scalable business. Right. Right. So these are, they're, they're just foundational things. Yeah. The other thing that kind of comes up a lot is fear of being seen. Right. The, the like stiff agent who's like, no, 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 my clients don't care about my story. Oh. Well, sure. But like, that's just human beings. Like that's literally how humans have communicated for the last 3000 years right. is through story and stories. And I learned this from a, from a friend of mine who is like, that's what she teaches. She teaches storytelling. It is stories are 22 times more memorable than facts. Mm -hmm. So you give someone a fact and you want them to remember it, you sandwich into the story. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, then, and then someone's going to remember that. And, and it's going to also make you more memorable. Right. Right. So so some of it has to do with vulner like fear of vulnerability, fear of judgment, um, putting themselves out there, especially online, where it's, it's I mean, really, at the end of the day, you've got all, all the humans out there. You've got people who are going to love you. You've got people who are going to hate you. You've got the keyboard warriors out there. Right. We all yep. get we all get trolled. We all get spammed. But at the end of the day, that those aren't those aren't your people anyway. Right. Those aren't the people who you're trying to attract anyway. Yeah. Why would you even care? Why do you care? I have people who call me all kinds of things online. Right. I had one lady the other day commented on one of my ads and it said, I'm wearing I'm wearing a, a dress and I'm standing on a beach. And she said, why is she wearing a nightgown on a beach? <laughs> And I, you know, I, and I responded to her. I said, because she can. <laughs> That's owning it right there. That's yeah. perfect. That's you know, awesome. and at the end of the day, like, th those are not your people. And so what you want is to actually just attract the right people. Those, it's not, it's not a matter of any client. It's the clients that are going to love you and that you are going to love working with. Right. Right. We, we get, we get to build the business and be surrounded by people that we want to be. Right. right? Yeah, that's great. Jess, I've had you here the half hour I asked you your time. So I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up. Cool. But the same final question I've asked every guest since the first episode. And that's if you could give one piece of advice to a new, new agent, just starting in the business, what would it be? Think for yourself and tr trust that intuition because if I had just followed the directions of everyone else before me, I wouldn't be where I am. And, you know, you hear all the time success leaves clues. And that's true. But make sure that you're, the success that you're following is success from now and not success from 30 years ago. Mm. Jess, if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I would say... Facebook group. So I have a Facebook group online. It's called the listings lab method for real estate agents and just join the group and you'll get tons of free value and tons of love in there anyway. Well, well, I know, I know tons of love for you comes from one agent up in the Cambridge area yes. of Massachusetts and that's Charles Cherney. Mm -hmm. So a shout out to Charles for, for insisting, Bill, you got to talk to Jess. You got to talk to <laughs> Yes. And so I, I really, first of all, thanks, Charles. It was awesome. Jess, thank you so much. This really was very cool to hear what you're doing. And it's very unique. I 
I've talked to a lot of people in this space and um, I love what you're doing. Thank you so much for having me. And I got, I got to say, I love me some Charles journey. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the real estate sessions podcast. To leave a review or rating, go to ratethispodcast.com slash RE sessions. You can also subscribe to the podcast at your favorite podcast listening app. Finally, you can go to the realestatesessions.com and subscribe to our email newsletter and be notified whenever a new episode is released. New episodes of the Real Estate Sessions podcast are released every Tuesday.